Well, hello, hello, everybody. It's your good old friend, Uncle Boo, baby. Ready to get down, get up, get funky, and get loud with the number one podcast in the world. And the number one voice of podcasting in the world, baby. This is Borderline Texas Trash with your host, the sweet, too sweet to be sour, the mouth of the South. Your friend, Uncle Boo, baby. The most number one show around. Well, as you can tell, it's just me today. But that's alright. We've been here before, my friends. We've been here before and had fun, too. Anyways, while I'm creeping you guys out. No, it's just me today. Ashley's a bit under the weather. Usually we do this on Wednesdays, but last uh, last night she came over and I was pretty sick. So we didn't record. She's feeling bad today. Sinuses are kicking both of our asses, and she's still learning how to cope with her uh, heart condition she has right now. So she's going to get some rest and stay home. She's feeling under the weather like uh, me too, but I blew my nose real good. I'm going to apologize before if I cough or something. I'll turn my head away from them from the mic but yeah if i do that i'm sorry but i blew my nose real good for the podcast so we ain't gotta hear that shit so but anyways guys it's me uncle boo but yeah it's been a good week uh it's been hell i'll tell you fuck <sighs> i just say depression's a motherfucker i fight so much shit in my head sometimes it's crazy but it's all good i'm here and i'm ready to get down and give fuck it with you guys How's your week been going? I hope it's been going grind, glow, great and fine. And uh, yeah, just want to say thank you to everybody who's listening. Thank you for the downloads. Thank you for the followers that we keep getting. So yeah, guys, come on. Let's get them numbers on up. What do you say, man? Come on. But yeah, you guys are great, man. Y'all just, y'all just don't understand how cool and kick-ass this makes me feel. About, you know, I do this podcast and I get heard around the world. It's crazy. And I thank you guys for that. Well, before I get into the news and all that, of course, uh, was it last week? Yeah, last week uh, she passed away before, after we cut the podcast. Oh, Queen Elizabeth passed away, man. She was 93, though. She lived a long life. I just hope to make it to 63, maybe 68. I got to at least make it to 68. But anyways, uh, yeah, man, she passed away, I believe it was Friday. So, yeah, it was a, kind of probably a bummer over there in England and London and all that. So, And I got a question. Uh, to all my can- Canadian listeners, uh, fill me in. Let me know. Uh, does the Brit, does London and, the, and England and all that still have some ties to Canada or what? I mean, I'm not for sure. But I've seen where Canada is making a someday a national holiday for Queen Elizabeth or something. So I was just wondering. Fill me in, though, my Canadian fans. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Because I don't know too much about the Canadian history. I guess I should try to learn about it more, huh? And some of you other guys. Yeah, and you other guys out there around the world, hook us up. Uh, look me up on Facebook, and we'll uh, chat there, too, man. But anyways... Today we got a good show. We're going to go over the stupid news, of course. Then we're going to go talk to Uncle Dickie. And then we're going to go over our college picks for the week. And then we're going to go to a scary story. Since it's uh, close to Halloween, 
We're not doing the back in time stuff right now. We're going to put a halt on that and do some scary stories. So I got a scary story today for you to tell to tell you. And then I got a little mob story about little Nikki from the crime family in Philly. So it should be a great when you guys tune in and do not tune out and sit back, relax and buckle that seatbelt in. Strap in to take a break from reality. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's get this show on the road. What do you say? Okay, on stupid news we have. A guy from Brock, Texas shot a monster 20-foot-long, 1,650-pound alligator in uh, Africa. Yeah, it was one of, them, one of the, I think it was one of the Nile crocs or something. But it was a big old bastard. I guess he went on a hunting trip, and at the end of his hunt, he shot this big old mother lover. That's crazy. Why do you have to go all the way to Africa? That's what I don't get. There's pretty enough uh, alligators in Canada. In uh, Canada, <laughs> there ain't no alligators in Canada. Uh, in uh, the United States, especially down there in the South, I don't come across them. But you get down there towards the Texas Louisiana border down that way, you'll see the gators, but not up here where I live. All right, number two story. In Poland, a vampire female skeleton was found. Uh, these uh, college kids were out doing their archaeology stuff and stumbled upon them. And why they say it was a vampire is because she had her, her two uh, molars were kind of enlarged. And, of course, back then, anytime your teeth were like that or something, or if you was different, you was uh, a witch or... Uh, or a vampire or something. So, anyways, another reason why they know it is because the chest was, of course, decomposed and gone. All that was left was like the metal that was on the casket, and there was a lock on it. And then, um, what was it? There was something else they found, and then they found a sickle sitting by the uh, where the headstone would be. So in case he came back alive and somebody was there, they'd chop the head off. Because that's what they'd do if they thought you was a vampire. Oh, no, I forgot this. Before they killed him with the stake to the heart, they burned him at the stake. And then after they burned him, then they put the stake to the heart. Yeah, ain't that fucked up? Yeah, they thought they were uh, vampires because it was, diff- was different. It was just because, you know, she had crooked-ass teeth. Crazy. That's the case. Arkansas must be full of fucking vampires. I'm just kidding, Arkansas. I'm giving you a break, man. I'm just busting your balls. Um, all right. Then we have an Ohio man. An Ohio man, uh, a tree trimmer, is going to survive after 20,000 bee stings. Yes, I said that right, ladies and gentlemen. 20,000 bee stings. He said it felt like a porcupine after it happened. Well, because bees leave their stinger in you when they sting you. And then they go off and die. So that means 20,000 bees died the other day. After they stung this poor man. Yeah, he was doing some tree work. He was one of them landscaper dudes trimming a property. And yeah, right there, got a hold of a big old bee's nest and is stung him that many times. He's going to live, but his face was fucking swollen. Dude, it was huge. Yeah, go check it out. It looks crazy. And then we have a Missouri man. Oh, this one's funny. 
A Missouri man carved out a huge pumpkin that was 846 pounds. He carved the inside out of it. Then he's using it as a boat, and he's going to paddle down the Missouri River to break the world record. Yeah. Number one, that's pretty freaking swift. you got to have a lot of time to carve out a pumpkin that big. And once again, the people just sit around thinking about, huh, let's see what's stupid in the Guinness, Guinness book. We're going to see what we can break. I mean, who would I? I would never thought of anything like that to to do. So, kudos to you, though, man. Kudos to you. All right, then we have our last story, which is pretty cool. Well, in the Toy Hall of Fame, which I didn't know they had, but every year they have inductees that go in. Well, this year the nominees are Bingo. It came out in the nineteen twenties. Settlers of Gaddon, it came out in 1995. It's a board game. Phase 10, it came out in 1992, and it is the second best card uh, game seller. Then we have Light Bright. Who remembers them Light Bright motherfuckers? Had the big old light, and then you had that black screen, and you'd put them colored little pegs in it and make designs, make shit. And then we have the Masters of the Universe started coming out. He-Man, Skeletor, all them guys. And remember Pound Puppies? I do. And then a, a Spiral Graph. That's that thing, if you remember, it came out in the 70s. or They still sold them in the 80s. They still sell them now because I got my daughter uh, one one year for Christmas. But, um, yeah, it's that circle and it has your stick of pencil in it. And you stick it and make designs and it twirls around does like a circle and does different shit yeah it's pretty cool that's gonna be one of the finalists in the spinning top yeah that's one of the world's oldest fucking toys can you imagine everybody out there imagine because right now everybody i'm talking to knows how it is to have electricity and have technology because if you didn't have technology you wouldn't be listening to me right now so just imagine if there was no tvs no electricity in your source of entertainment as a kid sometimes was playing with the spin top yeah I bet you that was a fucking hard one to keep on the shelves <coughs> like I said guys I just been over being sick for two fucking days so just bear with me ma'am hope I don't sound too stopped up but I guess I'm gonna slide on over here and we're gonna go through what Uncle Dickie's doing what do you say baby Everybody, how's everybody doing out there in the old podcast land? This is your good old friend Uncle Dicky, baby, and I'm here to get down and get loud. So, this is the most recognizable voice in the podcasting world today. Just give me a minute, guys. I'm trying to clear my voice up. It's sounding too foggy. There we go, baby's right there. All right. Well, anyways, baby. We was, uh, this is, indeed, the greatest voice in the podcasting world today. This is your friend and mine, Uncle Dicky, baby. How is everybody doing today? I hope everybody's having a scrumptious time. And I think I've got this volume part worked out pretty good right here. Indeed, babies. Oh, but it's been a great week. I cannot complain. It's been good over here. 
kids are kids are getting used to being in college, and the other kids are used to being are getting used to going back to school and all that. But yeah, see, we we are normal down here. We just do five days of school, not four, like some of you crazy people. But yeah, it's been going good. But <laughs> cause, 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 my tigers. They lost that important game that night on national television, brother. Ugh. But it's going to be all right, like I said. We're going to bounce back, and the LSU Tigers will be awesome again. Again. But, yeah, it was a good old week in the old game of the college foosball. My team didn't play. They was off. Of course, my LSU Tigers are one and one. But they're going to bounce back, baby. And they're going to be good for everybody to see. But it, it's all good. Uh, well, I can't complain about the weather. The weather's been real nice down here. And, 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 and it's just a fun old good time. But we had a big old big old shindig party when the, when the Tigers had that national televised game on... Um, on TV that week, so we had a big old shindig. It was disappointing at the end, but god dang, we lost by a point. And then I see my cousin's Longhorns did pretty good this weekend, even though they lost by a point. They almost beat number one, Alabama. Ugh, I got that pick wrong. I picked Texas. But anyways, as I digress, yeah, I hope everybody out there is doing great. Just want to say thank you for listening, and you guys are the best. But I really don't have anything javeled up today, but I know this week LSU is playing uh, Mississippi State, I believe, or Mississippi. But in either one, I'm picking the LSU Tigers on that one, cuz, so you can jot me down for that one. But it's going great down here. We're going to start getting ready for the fall weather. Business will climb down some a little bit, but not, not a whole lot, but it'll climb down some. We won't have that good old summer crowd anymore, but it's okay. I'm going to relax and enjoy this winter and have a good old Halloween and Christmas and Thanksgiving and a New Year's and start this new year off. Great. I'm ready for next year. I don't know why. I think it's going to be good. But I hope uh, everybody out there has been having a great week. But like I said, I don't really have nothing uh, set up for you. But what I'll do is I'll start looking up for some scary stories that we have down here. Some of our creatures are... some of our creatures of the night. We will check them out. But you guys, be good, be real. This is the most recognizable voice in the podcast and world today. This is your friend and mine, Uncle Dickie, baby. Telling you to get down, get funky, and be loud all night long. Get funky like a monkey. We'll see you later, you little frisky frilliers. Bye. It helps if I turn my mic on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I hope y'all enjoyed Uncle Dicky Ricky there. He's a good old cat. He means well. Crazy old cuss. All right, guys. We're going to go over the college pickums. Okay, last week, uh, me and Ashley and Uncle Dicky sucked. We had a lot of upsets. Last weekend, we went 12 and 7, uh, 12 and seven all of us. Of course, uh, we all picked uh, Texas to beat Alabama. They had a good chance to do it, but they didn't do it. So we got that one wrong, but we got the Ohio State game right. They beat Arkansas State. Then we had Utah right. They beat Southern uh, Utah. We had Miami going up against Southern Miss. We picked Miami, and then we had Arkansas going up against South Carolina, and we picked uh, Arkansas. 
Then we had North Carolina State going up against the Charleston Southern Boogaboos. And we picked uh, NC State. We all got that one right. Then we had Wake Forest going up against Vanderbilt. And we picked Wake Forest and got it right. Then we had Georgia going up against Samford. We picked Georgia, got that one right. Michigan beat Hawaii, we got that one right. Clemson beat Foreman, we all got that one right. Now this one we got wrong. I picked A&M to beat Appalachian State. I was wrong, Appalachian State won. We all got that one wrong. Then we all got this one wrong, the Notre Dame and Marshall game. Marshall beat Notre Dame, knocked them out of the top 25. And then we had this one wrong. Yeah, when it snow, when it rains, it pours. We got all these wrong back to back to back to back to back. <laughs> but anyways, we had Baylor going up against BYU, and uh, we picked Baylor and got it wrong. BYU won. And then uh, we picked USC, right? They beat Stanford. And then we picked this one wrong. Arizona State lost to Oklahoma State. Son of a gun. Then we had Kentucky going up against Florida. We all picked Florida, and we fucking lost that one, too. Yeah. Well, that was last week's. That's what happened. So, like I said, last week we was 12-7. and seven. The week before, we was like, I don't know. I'll have to go back and look. But our record was better. So, maybe this week will be better for us. This week we have um, Georgia going up against South Carolina. We all picked Georgia in that one. Then we have Michigan going up against UConn. We all picked Michigan. Then we got Oklahoma going up against Nebraska. I would love Nebraska to beat Oklahoma because that'd be so fucking funny. Oklahoma, I mean, Nebraska has not won a game yet all goddamn year. That would be funny if that would be an upset and they'd lose. Oklahoma would lose to them. But they probably won't, so I'm going to go with uh, what I, you know, the right choice here. Oklahoma, we all pick them. Then we all have Kentucky to beat uh, UConn, Youngstown Town, or Youngstown Town State. Then we got Baylor to beat uh, the uh, beat Texas State. And then we have, we all pick BYU to beat Oregon. We all pick Ole Miss to beat Georgia Tech and Penn State. We all pick to beat Auburn. Because <coughs> <coughs> even though Auburn's an SEC team, they kind of still suck. Then we got Mississippi State going up against LSU. And, of course, we're all picking the LSU. Then we have uh, Louisiana Monroe going up against Alabama. We all picked Alabama. And then we have Ohio State going up against uh, Toledo. We all picked Ohio State. Oklahoma State's going up against Arkansas, Penn Bluff State or whatever. We all picked uh, Oklahoma State. Then we have Missouri State going up against Mich- uh, Arkansas. We all picked Arkansas. And then we have Acorn going up against Tennessee. And we are all picking Tennessee. Then we have NC State going up against Texas Tech. And we are going to go with the Wolf Pack on that one. Yeah, I don't think they're going to win that one. Tech won't. Then we have Michigan State. All right, then we have Michigan State going up against Washington. We all picked uh, Michigan State. We all picked uh, Florida over South Florida. We all picked Pittsburgh over Western Michigan. 
We all are picking Clemson over Louisiana Tech, and we are all, all picking Texas over UTS of the A. And I don't know why I did that. It sounded so weird. And and we got we got we're all picking uh, Miami to go down to a uh, and M and beat their ass because that'd be funny. And then we have. Utah going up against San Diego State. We're all picking Utah. USC is going up against Fresno State. We all picked USC. All right, Chevronis. That wraps up our picky wiki wikis. Na 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 na. Getting jiggy with it. Okay, what do we got next on the agenda, fellas? And la- sorry, my mic cord's getting in the goddamn way and it's pissing me off. Uh. All right, we're going to tell a little scary, scary story here. Because it is that time of year. This is the spooky story behind the Gabulator Point Lighthouse. One of the oldest buildings in this city is home to an eerie local lore about a murdered 19th century lighthouse keeper. Now and then, explorers. Now and then, explorers these stories behind Toronto's historical plagues, and anyone who grew up in the Toronto remembers the lighthouse ghost story. So, any of my fans in uh, Toronto, tell me about the old um, lighthouse ghost story. It was a uh, high lighthouse or. A highlight of the student field trips to the uh, island school and could give you shivers even on the warmest, even on the warmest day. And now and then, and now that the island park is open again for the summer, a new generation of Toronto kids can learn the spooky story of it's not so... I'm going to have to get my other glasses real quick. I keep forgetting when I start the podcast and to put my bifocals on, but I always mother-loving forget. Uh, um, that's a lot better. Spooky stories behind the... Gibber... Uh, Gibber... Gibber Rattler Point Lighthouse. The lighthouse is the oldest one left on the Great Lakes and is the second oldest lighthouse in Canada. It was built in 1808, 1808 and guided ships to Canada's harbor from what was then a sandy peninsula until it was de- de- decommissioned in 1958. And any building that old has its secrets. The lighthouse was there during the Battle of York in the in 1813 when American ships invaded the town of York, which uh, culminated with the uh, burning of the Parliament buildings. The British uh, reta- re- the British retaliated later in the War of 1812 and burnt the White House down. During the war, 
during the war, the first lighthouse keeper, J.P. Rademuller, a German Im immigrant to uh, Upper Canada, kept watch at the uh, point for many ships and friendly vessels returning as safe harbor. But he did not live to see the end of the war. The lighthouse keeper disappeared under mysterious circumstances on January the 2nd of 1815. The story goes that he was murdered by two soldiers who had been enjoying his homemade, homemade brew. Versions of the story... Hate it when they do that. Versions of the story. You gotta be kidding me. Okay, versions of the story are uh, differ slightly, but most agree that the uh, red, the random Mueller was killed in the night house in the night in the. He was killed that night and his dismembered by the killer. Stop. Sorry about that. He was dismembered by the killers who burned his body in a few graves who buried his body in a few graves near the lighthouse. His ghost is said to haunt the site. Let's see what this other story says. One version is told that in the mid two thousands there mid two thousands uh, was that Renamar was killed after the soldiers bought the beer but saw it freezes. Oh, it frizz, freezes on the uh, cold water at night and assumed that alcohol content was way low because the more alcohol co alcohol content you have in it, the uh, stronger the booze is and it won't freeze. And they say that's what happened. They got, they got mad and they went in and killed him. That's the second story. And then, let's see, the story was recorded by John Rose Robinson in 1908 in Landmarks of Toronto. And it has become a stable of spooky lore ever since. Even in his uh, tellings, Robinson raises suspension that murder was a, that murder ever occurred. But he writes that that he heard the story from the uh, current lighthouse keeper, George Dunham who had apparently gone looking for a body and had dug up the coffin with a jawbone. The uh, plaque at the the plaque at the lighthouse mentions the ghost story in the jawbone, although it was never some white uh, said that that was his jawbone or anything. Uh, the, the lighthouse has non has a non-ghost history as well. It sets it sits on Gibraltar Point along a silt built up means that the tower is now salty inland or is slightly inland inland from the shore. Flooding on the islands may cha change the uh, coastline yet again. It was named the uh, Galen, the Gab Gabalite after the famous British-owned point of the edge of the Mediterranean. So, ta-ta. So if you're ever around, go check out that spooky ghost, that spooky lighthouse in Toronto. It might be spooky. You never know. All right, guys, let me get a drink, and we're going to do our last little story. It's not a scary story. Not today. 
I am going to cover Little Nicky, a famous mobster from the uh, Philly crime family. But let me get a drink of water, and we will be right back. All right, babies. This is Little Nicky Scarfo. He was uh, one of the bosses when the uh, Philly crime family was big. Okay, Scarfo's mobsters... Um, mobster stuff include... Okay, never mind. That's in the goddamn photo. I didn't edit that good enough. All right, here we go. When Nakamito Scarfo became boss... Sorry if I fucked that guy's name up, but it's Italian, and I'm not good with that. I'm not good at fucking spelling, so... Anyways, when he became the crime boss, he wanted to... Uh, to ad- he wanted to unify the crime family in the area and dreamed of running a smooth criminal empire. He soon installed a street tax on Philly, uh, on Philadelphia, South Jersey criminals, although financially extorting criminals is a common mafia racket. It was somewhat aligned an alien practice in, the, in Philadelphia. Enforced by soldiers, soldiers and associates of the family, the taxes was paid by criminals working the independently for or independently from the mafia. Criminals such as drug dealers, book dealers, loan sharks, pimps, and murder. Uh, oh, and rum. Oh, and numbers of uh, runners operating in the territory that Scarfo uh, deemed his own were forced to pay his street tax weekly. Not monthly, weekly. Those who refused to pay the tax were usually uh, murdered, and the loan shark, drug dealer, or the pawn shop owner, John Galabrisi, was killed by Joseph Gali... God damn it. Anyways, he was killed by Joseph Sr. and Tommy Frank... Irinelli and Pat Soprento and Frank Flowers was brutally beaten by the uh, Silvatore Te- uh, Testa and Joy Pagito for, refu- for refusing to pay the street tax. He was later murdered in 1985. Yeah, just because he didn't want to pay. The crime family's biggest racket was the control of the labor unions. During Bruno's and Scarfo's reign, the Philadelphia crime family maintained some degree of influence over the uh, Roofers Union, Local 300, Iron Workers Union, Local 305, and Laborers Union, Local 3330, uh, 332, and Teamsters Union, Locals of 107 and 158. Treasures and receives, uh, res- treasurers and receives pay- paychecks and benefits for the for a title to no work. So basically they're giving them uh, money for no work. They like contract something out to them. And okay give us the money. And they don't do shit. Scarfo also got the crime family. Heavily involved in methamphetamine trafficking. Which was the, uh, which was the drug of choice in Philadelphia South Jersey area. At first the, the uh, family extorted money in local meth dealers. When Greek American gangsters Chileses Barsas, boss of the Philadelphia Greek mob, 
began introduce uh, intruding on the uh, meth uh, trade in Philly and refused to pay Scarfo's street tax. Scarfo had him killed, although the Philadelphia Greek mob, <coughs> excuse me, has a, has long been a close ally and partner with the Philadelphia Italian crime family. And despite the fact that some Philadelphia Italian crime family members were themselves involved in Barriso's methamphetamine trafficking ring, the hot-headed, ruthless uh, Nicky Scarfo decided to send a message to all local crime organizations about respecting the street tax and the uh, primacy of the Philadelphia crime family by having Barriso killed in public. Barissa was eating dinner with his girlfriend, friends, and Scarfo soldiers, Raymond Martorano, when a hit team ambushed and killed Bruce Bruos and his girlfriend. The Philadelphia crime family then uh, started controlling the meth trade in the area by supplying by supplying uh, it to the P. P- 2P, whatever that means. Okay, where are you going to stop at? I hate it when they do that. Okay, the crime family also has been involved in cocaine and marijuana trafficking. Scarfo became notorious for his ruthless, uh, paranoid nature. Well, he was a short shit, really short guy. So they called him Little Nicky, and he didn't like that. So here we go. Scarfo became the notorious for his ruthless, paranoid nature. Scarfo demanded complete. Al- uh, complete loyalty to him and uh, ordered people to murder over signs of dis murder over signs of disrespect. So basically, if you just looked at him wrong, oh that motherfucker disrespected me, kill him. Described by a former crime family member. If you uh, were in good graces with him, he loves you and and you love him. You understand, but you never knew him from one day to the next. He'd turn on anybody and then drew no lines when it came to killing. Most mob bosses were not. Who is it? Quit messing around at the door. Shush. Now you made me fucking lose where I was, you Buttholes. Okay. Okay, killing. Most mob bosses were not like him. The mob basically ran the same in every city, but our family was usually in that it was very uh, parent. It was a very paranoid family (coughs) because he was featured each uh, other feared Scarfo the most. He held grudges. If you did not say hello to him 20 years ago, he never forgot. And he used to say, I'm like the I'm like the turtle. I can get there. Oh, I'm like that turtle. I can get there. You know, we were the best of friends. He believed in me and I believed in him. But but he was very, very paranoid. He betrayed himself and his own nephew turned on him. Wow, that's what happens in that mobster life. Quit. Soon after uh, his promotion to the, to boss, 
the number of organized crime fa- crime re- related murders uh, escalated in the 1980s. Philadelphia mobster turned go- uh, governor witness government witness Nicholas Carmandia described Scarfa's violent nature in 2000 in a 2001 interview. Scarfa was a cowboy. He did not he didn't want did not want a guy taken in house and shot easily in the back of the head. He wanted it outside in broad daylight with millions of people around, restaurants, funeral homes, anywhere. Then it gets written up in the papers and it puts fear in the people. He loved that cowboy stuff. Scarfa had recently in, uh, inducted and recently inducted member Pat the Cat, Sparta, murdered in 1983 during the Riccobonia War. Scarfo switched sides and aligned himself with Scarfo. He was uh, he was killed for turning down a murder contract in the Rosinko Bonnie's uh, brothers. But Scarfa's downfall began in September 14th of 1984 when Scarfa's loyal loyalist. Uh, Testa was murdered. Despite Testa serving faithful under Scarfa and committing several murders murders in his behalf, Scarfa greeted his underboss Solitero <coughs> Morleno permission to kill Testa for for breaking off his agreement with Morano's daughter. After this, uh, after this, other members of the family saw Scarfa as untrustworthy and paranoid. He also started earn, uh, to earn a negative reputation with his organization, which led to members turning uh, informa- information into uh, into the uh, you know cops. Yeah, information to the cops in the 1980s after Marlano's drinking problem. Got out of hand. Scarfa demoted him to the to be ugh, demoted him to soldier and promoted his nephew Phil Lantino as his new underboss. In nineteen in November of nineteen eighty eight, Scarfa and sixteen of his men were convicted of racketeering, ten murders, five attempted murders, extortion, gambling, narcotics trafficking, along with Scarfa's underboss Philip Lati. Latoti, three of the family's four capos or captains uh, and soldiers such as Charles uh, in, in whatever his name is, were arrested. The prosecution was strengthened by mafia members Tony Delcarino and Nicholas Nicholas Oh, Nicholas Caramata. Uh He was called Nicky Crow. Agreeing to cooperate in law with law enforcement and testifying a trial, the government, in order to ex- uh, escape long prison terms, or to escape long prison terms, and Scarfa's ruthless regime of 15 of the uh, defendants received prison sentences ranking from 30 to 55 years, including Scarfa. Latiti was the uh, next defector 
who agreed to cooperate with the FBI being sentenced to 45 years in prison. Many more mobsters were late sentenced to long prison terms for crimes such as racketeering, all that other stuff. This caused the number of mafia members in the family to dwindle in the 1990s. With fewer new guys available to replace all those being convicted of uh, serious crimes, by 1990, 21 members were incarcerated, 11 of them indicted, and six turned government witness. <coughs> 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 Oh, sorry about that. Turn government. What was that? Turn government witness trial for the government in order to escape long prison terms. Da, 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 little, 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 little. Oh, okay. Uh, the Pennsylvania Crime Commission reported that three were only 24 members were free and not facing criminal charges. With many of Scarfa's loyalists serving uh, lengthy prison terms, it became clear that Scarfa would not be able to maintain control of the family from prison much longer. To avoid a, to avoid a total power, <coughs> a total power vacuum in the family, Cicilline-born mobster John Staffa helped run the family for Scarfa with the support and endorsement of Gabino of the Gambino crime family in New York. Staffa was named boss of Philadelphia crime family in 1991. The New York mafia's intrusion into Philadelphia mob into the Philadelphia mafia affairs was not well received by many of the younger Philadelphia-born mobsters in the Philadelphia Marlino, who saw Santa Fea as an outsider who had not worked its way up to the uh, organization due to the being imprisoned during the entire Scarfo era. While serving uh, prison time together in 1990, Marlono met Ralph Natelli, Natelli. According to Natelli and he, Marlowe became plotting to take over the Philadelphia crime family during the period. Natelli named Michael Cancalino and Stephen Maziano and George Barquisia and Tommy Horsehead Scarfiti and of the divide in in the divide of the family and trade for peace for a peaceful solution, he named Michael's older brother Joseph Jr. as his new underboss. Staffa hoped that this would have appeased the Martellona faction, and the uh, Philadelphia crime family was uh, underway. Marlino's loyalty shot and encapsulated Joseph. Can and then, anyways, Joseph Jr., while Santa Fe's fixed, while Santa, Santa, Stanfa's, uh, while Stanfa's, uh, faction killed Michael Gaglina. They continued attacking each other for months, including a freeway ambush. Staffa survived, 
and several failed attempts in the uh, Mar- in Marlena's life. The staffer's uh, faction was uh, sol- sol- uh, solid- solidifying its control of the crime family and recruited many outside hitmen for the war. On March of 1917, 1994, Staffa and 23 of his men were arrested on racketeering and related charges. Well, they really don't say anything about what else happened to him. I know that guy died in prison, but it really don't say. But basically, once again, man, good mob, mobster man, he freaking had, got paranoid and used that power and was killing everybody. That's one of the main things. They don't want you, mobsters don't want a bunch of attention on themselves. Anybody in crime don't if you're smart. Well, I hope I didn't fuck that up too much, guys, but hope you liked the show today. I did my best, but I'm pooped. I've been sick for two days. I've been feeling good today, though, getting everything back going. Feels good to be podcasting again. I'm going to try to do something special for you guys maybe this weekend. I'm going to think about it. I'll see. Maybe do a special episode just to say, hey. But you guys, be good. Be real. This Excuse me, I did not mean to burp in the mic. But you guys, good. Uh, sorry, I fucked that up. But you guys, be good, be real. This is Uncle Boo, baby. And we came down and got funky, and we got the monkeys. And we will see you later, guys. Be good, be real, baby. Be kind to each other. Be nice. And yeah, yeah. Bye, guys. Excuse me. Holler at you later, man. Bye.